afternoon. Last month, China's central bank declared all cryptocurrency-related transactions illegal, reinforcing the country's tough stance against digital rivals to government-issued money. It, again, brings to mind the problems that can arise when people lose confidence in the state's ability to ensure the stability of the currency. Uh, most of us are still wondering, though, what what are what is what are cryptocurrencies? What what how do these work? What's the relationship to what we commonly call quote money? My guest, Dr. Robert Waples, is a professor of economics at Wake Forest University and the editor of several books, including Pope Francis and the Caring Society. Uh, he's also co-editor of the Independent Review. Dr. Waples, good to have you back. Thanks. Hey, thanks for having me on again. I guess the most of us. You know, I think probably are wondering what what are cryptocurrencies? I mean, how do they work? We use money all the time, but rarely do we sit down and ask ourselves, "What is money?" Uh, so, <laughs> what kind of baffled as to what's going on here? So, help us out. Yeah, well, hopefully I can. Although I must uh, admit, I have never used cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, and back, uh, you know, it's only a small fraction of people that have. Right. I asked my students. And, you know, younger people, you would think, would, and in the class of like 25 students, only two of them had ever used cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. So it is a new step in the evolution of money. And if you think about the invention of money, it started way back. John Maynard Keynes said, in, in the, it's lost in the mist of time when the ice was melting. So, you know, that, <laughs> that long ago. Okay. Um, and the first kind of money we had, everybody kind of knew what it was. Very Intrinsically, there was something that had worth you know, especially a precious metal, and you'd mint it up and you'd put the picture of the king or whoever on it, and they, they told you there's this much gold, there's this much silver in it. And, of course, sometimes they cheated and, and lied, but sure. usually you knew exactly how much was in there, and so everybody was quite willing to use this thing. And then they did the next step, which was commodity-backed money, and instead of using the commodity, the gold, they had a piece of paper mm-hmm. that said, you bring this down to headquarters turn it in, and we'll give you this much gold for it. And everybody understood what that worked. And then, at the time of the Great Depression in the United States, we moved away from that to what we have now. It's called fiat money. And if you look at your dollar bill in your your purse or your wallet or whatever, it doesn't say, bring this to headquarters, you get some cash for it. It says, this note is a legal tender for all debts, public and private. So it's basically saying, you got to accept this. Yeah. But we, the government, accept it. Okay, well, everybody has to pay taxes, so I get it. And if they keep that scarce enough, it'll hold its value pretty constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point, of course, you're old enough to remember back in the 1970s when we kind of overdid it right. and created too much money and there was yep. a lot of inflation. inflation. We've had that reined in pretty well since then, although the last <laughs> year or so, uh, maybe not so well. Getting scared but, again, yeah. yeah. People, yeah, people kind of understand now this fiat money because they've been using it for quite a while now. And okay, there's nothing behind it except other people will accept it and the government will accept it. Okay, so I'll accept it and I'll use it. And it seems to work pretty good. Okay, and of course, you don't need to have a physical piece of this. You can now just have some money in your bank account and swipe your card and whatever, and it goes over to somebody else's bank account. Okay, but then cryptocurrency. Hmm. So I understand the supply side to it. But I have some questions about the demand side, and I think a lot of other people do as well. Here's how it works on the supply side. 
cryptocurrency. Of course, Bitcoin is the, the poster child for this. That's the, the first the established market, cryptocurrency, right? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. exactly okay. right. And the market value of all the main, well, I looked up like the top 100 cryptocurrencies. Their current market value is pretty high. It's, it's a little over $2 trillion. Wow. And Bitcoin is about 45% of that. Okay. Now, everything's down from a peak of a few months ago, but of course, these things fluctuate a lot. Um, and here's how here's how Bitcoin and most of the others kind of follow the simple the simple model. <clears throat> they announce ahead of time, uh, basically, a set of rules as to how you can create this currency. In in Bitcoin's case, they call it mining the currency. Okay. <clears throat> and basically, you do it by solving a mathematical problem. And there's a set number of these things that can be created in the whole history of this. And as you create more and more of them, it gets harder and harder to solve this mathematical problem to add another coin onto the, you know, another thing onto the block, as they call it. Okay. So um, crypto, Bitcoin has been criticized uh, for having their algorithms to add, miners do, well, they get their computers to do them, right? Yeah. Uh, and the computers use a lot of energy. And so Bitcoin's energy usage, a uh, paper just came out, uh, said that it's about the equivalent of Denmark wow. or New Zealand, just making these Bitcoins. Hmm. Okay. It's just, now, where do the Bitcoin miners do their mining? They'll do it wherever energy is cheap. So you can set your computer up anywhere all over the world, solve these mathematical algorithm problems, and create your Bitcoin. So a lot of it was produced in China, um, especially using coal, which is pretty dirty, especially in China where they don't have scrubbers like we do around here. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it's moved out of China after they've started cracking down. So the thing I saw just a week or so ago uh, said a lot of it has moved to Iran and Kazakhstan. Oh. Okay. So it's being created all over the world using electricity. Interesting. Well, I... So you solve this mathematical problem and mm -hmm. you get to add some new Bitcoin to the supply. But what's okay. the, what's... And the, the difficulty of creating it is what makes it scarce, which then gives it value because people realize they can't just print a whole bunch of these things up or, or counterfeit them or whatever. You have to actually solve this mathematical problem, giving it the scarcity. But, but if, the, if the problems are increasingly difficult to solve, mm -hmm. isn't that going to reduce the population? percent of the population that can participate. Well, if the supply is limited and the demand rises, it means the price goes up. And the price of Bitcoin has been going up a lot. It's fluctuated quite a bit, uh, but it is uh, it's so much higher now than it was when they issued it. Um, almost $50,000 for a Bitcoin at this point. So when people do transactions, you know, it's a tiny little fraction of a Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's, it's almost like making gold, if you think of it. Natural resources are used up. Right, Except right. it's burning coal to run computers rather than having guys out there panning in a stream or something. Now, the demand side is, to me, a little trickier. Like, who wants these things? Right, right. Okay. I'm not using them. And when they were, when they were launched, it was... Kind of, this is going to be a new money. It's going to be a new currency. It is called cryptocurrency. <clears throat> but the economist definition, long-standing definition of money, is number one, it's a medium of exchange. Then second, a unit of account, and third, a store of value. 
a medium exchange, meaning like when you want to make a trade with somebody, this is what you trade. Yeah. When I go to the store and I want to buy a gallon of milk, I don't offer to barter with them and say, right. hey, I'll give you a little econ last year. Yeah. some milk. Yeah. Doesn't work that way. I just slip them some cash. Right. Okay. But uh, anywhere I go, I'm not really seeing them accepting Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I see some places online, I guess, that do. Uh, but I have never spent one and almost nobody I know. So they're not, it's not really money. So, so point, if mer- it's not being used as money, you so know? If merchants, if merchants aren't willing to accept mm-hmm. it as a form mm-hmm. of payment, it mm-hmm. diminishes its value as money then, right? Uh, yeah. And so I mean, I guess it can't be used as money if merchants so only accept yeah, it. Its value isn't so much as traditional money like we think of money on our day-to-day right, basis. Right, right. It's got a value kind of as a, an asset all by itself. And apparently it was even known from the beginning or maybe even baked in that it would be difficult to use it as money, money, because to make any single transaction, you've got to put this transaction into essentially a giant spreadsheet that's out there that tells you the history of every transaction that's been done with this little bit of Bitcoin that you're using. Wow. Okay. And so that's slow. And if you want to make a Bitcoin transaction, it takes a lot more time than just zipping your card uh, if Visa or MasterCard or whoever does it. Yeah. Okay. And it's also expensive in terms of the resources it uses and how much you get charged in comparison to a, a lot of your other, like a PayPal or something like that. Yeah. So, well, so then where's the demand come from? And as far right. as I can see it, the demand is largely for people who want anonymity, or as the people in cryptocurrency called it, pseudonymity, because you have a name, but it's like a little whatever. Yeah, uh, number or uh, you know, so is it, is it, name that you have. Is it good for money laundering then? Uh, yeah, that's what a lot of people say. That that's you know the huge demand here is for money laundering and illegal transactions, and also you know buying stuff on the dark net and all this kind of stuff that we don't know about because we <laughs> right. don't do that kind of stuff. Right. And, and so there is demand you know outside of merely illegal activity because sometimes you don't want the prying eyes of whoever or you don't want the tax guy to know what you're doing and that kind of stuff but apparently there's a huge amount of this demand i would never have predicted i'm not good at predicting these things i would never (laughs) have predicted ahead of time that this thing would have a two trillion dollar market value across all the different cryptocurrencies out there when i first heard about it i laughed and then I was amazed <laughs> that it's still around. Mm-hmm. So uh, I figure it's about time to try to understand it uh, mm-hmm. rather than be humored by it. But it cuts out – I mean, does it cut out the – the problem I have here is I just don't understand if, if society doesn't trust it. If you don't have mm-hmm. a, a critical mass of members of a community who trust it, it's going to be mm-hmm. hard for it to serve as money. So yeah. maybe it never intent. Maybe the point is never mm-hmm. to replace uh, money. Yeah. It has its own. It's, it's its own thing. It's really interesting how other businesses treat it. For inter- for example, I was not real. Did not realize this uh, until recently. Facebook, Google, Twitter, Bing, LinkedIn, etc., have banned advertisements for the various cryptocurrencies on their sites. So they think it's a little, but there are some like major financial institutions that are kind of getting closer to it. So earlier this year, Morgan Stanley 
said that they would bring it into like their portfolio of like when they have these wealthy clients and they're managing their right. funds and whatever, right. they'd be willing to now get into some cryptocurrencies. But they noted, you know, only for really wealthy people who are willing to take an extreme risk. So this <laughs> okay. is for, for people who are, yeah, wow. <laughs> risk takers. Dr. Waples, thanks so much. Wonderful talking with Very you good. again. Very okay. helpful. I'll talk to you later. I hope. Okay. Dr. Robert Waples, professor of economics at Wake Forest University. Does a great job uh, when it comes to these matters. Very helpful.